and welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast. This is a special edition of the podcast and part of a series we are bringing to you in partnership with Actual Experience. Actual Experience works with people leaders to help build a digital workplace that works for everyone, everywhere, all of the time. Through always-on analytics and consulting, Actual Experience helps to create a level playing field in the workplace. While hybrid working does come with new challenges, it's also a chance to improve employee well-being whilst driving the organisation's bottom line. And in each episode of this four-part series, we will invite a new guest, a thought leader from the HR industry, to discuss the unique opportunities facing people leaders right now. My name is Sophie Parrott, the editor of My Grapevine, and this week I am joined by Dave Page, Chief Executive Officer at Actual Experience, and by David Milner, who is a consulting partner at HR Curator. I just wanted to give a warm welcome to particularly David Milner. It's your first time in the podcast. So I was hoping you'd just be able to tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at HR Creator, please. Yeah, sure. Well, um, thanks for inviting me. Really looking forward to the conversation today. I'm a sort of a bit of an oddball. I'm a corporate risk banker turned HR practitioner, turned occupational psychologist and consultant. Um, and uh, along the way, I've, I've worked for organisations starting off in NatWest banking, ending up with IBM, which I left uh, three years ago to run my own business of HR curator on the back of social media interest in terms of what I was doing in the world of HR. And uh, I focused quite a bit in the in the last year or so on people analytics, having just written an infernal book that I would never, uh, never suggest that anybody go through that pain themselves. So that, that's a little bit about me and, and what I get up to, in, in particularly, as I said, on analytics in terms of training, learning, and trying to help people understand that it's not as scary as people may think. Well, thanks very much for the introduction there. And of course, welcome back to the podcast, Dave Page as well. It's great to have both of you on the podcast today, where we'll be kind of looking at the key components of a winning business case, data points that should be included in a business case to the board when it comes to improving the hybrid working experience, as well as exploring some top tips from our experts on how to deliver a winning business case. Like with the last few episodes, um, it really is a timely discussion given the overall arching move that we've all witnessed towards hybrid working. And a hybrid workplace strategy is typically something that is owned by a cross-team focus group, including departments such as HR, IT operations, among others. And when it comes to areas such as employee experience, HR and people teams are usually responsible for securing budgets in these areas. And while many of us have either already or are looking to implement hybrid working policies, um, it's important to refine them so that they work well for everyone involved. Otherwise, this could result in the workforce struggling with tech, for example, and worsened inequality, among other things. So with the implications of this being clear, creating a winning business case is key for securing the necessary budgets to better deliver for the workforce. And with that being the case, what are the key components for a winning business case specifically to improve the hybrid working experience? Dave Page, if I can come to you on this one first, please. Yeah, absolutely, Sophie. Thanks very much for that. And um, Happy New Year to you and uh, everybody uh, that's, that's listening. I, I think this particular point that you've raised, Sophie, is just so important about you know, getting the money, the resources, 
the capital behind the idea to get it executed properly is so, so important. In fact, it's probably the difference between success and failure. You get the business case right, you're probably going to have a very successful outcome. If you don't get the business case right, you're probably not going to have a successful outcome. I, I think that's probably as binary as that. And for, for, for right or wrong, I've spent a lot of my time over the last couple of decades thinking about business cases, particularly how I think about business cases. And I think this is really useful in a general way of thinking about business cases. In, in my case, raising money um, as an entrepreneur from venture capitalists or private equity companies or in the public market as we are now, you, you in order to get money and resources, in order to do the thing, the project that you've got in hand, you, ha- you have to present a, a really compelling business case to uh, to anybody for, for them to part with their money, you know, uh, whether it's their funds money or their personal money to put into your company and, and, and help you succeed. And, and I think that applies, you know, that logic around how do you do that to, you know, raise money is the same as raising money inside your organization in order to get that resource and capital put into place in order to get your project done. And, and I think, you know, just one of the things I would reflect on here is a sort of that's that very, there is a standard structure to how you think about and how you present a, a business case, which more or less follows the same line, regardless of what sort of business idea you've got or who you're presenting in terms of what type of financier you're presenting to or internal business stakeholder in, in this particular case. And, and the sort of logic um, and the train of thought is the same, which is, you know, here's a series of points. Um, and if you don't hit these, then you're probably not going to have a, a very good business case. If you do hit these, you stand a good chance. You've obviously got to talk about well, the entry is, you know, the problem that you're solving and then why it's not being solved. And then, you know, the competitive angle, if you're a venture capital or an entrepreneur, is like, well, what are competitors doing? Or in the case of businesses, what, what, are, what are your peers doing to tackle this sort of problem, if anything at all? Um, and then to describe uh, the solutions to, to that problem that you're proposing. And then this is, this is sort of where, where the money shop uh, really sits is you've actually then got to having sort of set the ground that is sort of so everybody now knows what you're talking about you, you've really then got to bring out the benefits and the value propositions to all the stakeholders inside your business and ideally and probably the single most important point is that alignment with the top level business objectives inside your organization at this point so this is sort of the business the value proposition alignment with the top level business goals then of course there's the finance this is the OPEX, CAPEX resources, the ROI, the timeline, you know, they're, they're sort of quite prosaic functional analysis, financial analysis of what you're proposing. And then you kind of come out of that with, okay, here's the team, here's the responsibilities, who's responsible for what and so on. This is the team I'm proposing. And then into finally into next steps and, and, and into essentially mm, a semi-project plan at this point to tell you know, the people hopefully who are going to put money into this and resources into this, what sort of key milestones you're going to hit at what sort of stage. But you know, I guess it sort of comes back to that middle point is there's a transition point in the business case between explaining what the problem is and the solution is into the strategic business goals, the value proposition that the business is, you know, these, these senior business people that are hopefully going to provide money and resources, they can see how they're going to achieve their goals through the effort that you're putting in with this with this project that would be my thinking Sophie uh, and Dave I I, I love the, the way you you're turning this into an investment opportunity because in essence that's what you're what you're doing and right. Uh, right. I, I know and I think you know we've got to remember that hybrid 
is probably one of the greatest opportunities we're ever going to have to reimagine or reinvent the way in which people work, the how, the where and when. And so I think those points and, and the need for a clear focus on data to try and back up all of those points that you just made, I think is, is a critical part. And, and I think it's really important to think that hybrid is more than just a policy. I think this is a, a business strategy about how you position your people, where their place of work is, and what the processes may or may not be, because they may be changed. So I, I think all of those things lead really well into the the sort of the data points and some of the things that you know we've got to we've got to think about. Um, I, I, you know, off the top of my head, I, I would think about obviously productivity is a critical thing. What's the benefit from a productivity point of view? Process time. We'll probably look at customer experience through the Net Promoter Score. Bound to ask employees about how they feel and whether this is part of you know them feeling more secure and more a feeling of more retention within their their role. And I think then, you know, you can start to look at all sorts of the, the typical business rework, quality, innovation, product development, launch times, project management adherence, all of these sorts of things, I think, are the sorts of data points, which if we can align it to, to how Dave positioned it as an investment in this strategy, I think that's the sort of thing that the HR team, you know, working with the other functions need to be really thinking about. Is that what you, is that your experience, Dave, of how you then align, you know, your your strategy, your hypothesis with then collecting that data and, and trying to think it through? Because, you know, this, there's a lot of what if thinking that we're going to have to do here. I think you've nailed it, Dave. I, I love the way you put it there. It's an investment opportunity. And I think the companies that we're working with, which are typically in the sort of large multinational uh, organizations, they've got to that point where they realize the digital workplace is going to have, you know, and hybrid is going to have a very significant impact on, on all sorts of top level objectives because the, it's just so fundamentally changed the way of work. They are looking at this as an investment opportunity now. It's got to be seen that way. Yes. And money's got to be deployed properly aligned to those business goals. And I, I think on in terms of the data points, I mean, you, I, I think you, you expressed it rather well. And we sort of articulate it with sort of three Ps at the moment, and sort of people, planet, and profit. Right. And, yeah. um, and I think... There are a set of organizations that realize that hybrid affects people, planet, and profit. Business objectives in a really fundamental way. And I think that there's a very exciting opportunity, which is literally investment in the sense that investors themselves are looking to make sure that they invest in companies that are very progressive and are achieving things for people and profit. And so certainly, if you can express data points, that really align you with the investors, you know, public market or private investors in your organization around people, planning and profit, then the business case, those data points will help that business case really fly. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I know in um, in America, I did a, a little piece of work with a company and, and they were looking at it from a job perspective. So they'd gone down to a, a you know, they'd had a business case and then they went down to another level and started to, on the basis that, 
not all jobs may fit with a remote or a hybrid approach, you know, right. which, and then they started to say, let's explore the level of creativity that's required in the role because that can be done remotely. Let's yeah. explore the level of communication because that can be done remotely let's look at the level of coaching or support or teamwork because that can be done remotely and then they started to look at well let's look at the collaboration and the commitment elements that are required and maybe the community i think they call it community building you know the fact that sometimes people do need face-to-face to get those things done and it's quite interesting that when you then start to dig into the jobs and then you look at some of those data points it makes it a little easier to start to break them down. And actually, they're not just a finger, a number, you know, they're not just a number you've created. There is a little bit of relevance and rigor behind it because you focused it on time savings and linked into jobs. Yeah. 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 So I think that's that that for me, I think is, you know, a really critical point. And and what I'm what I'm also hearing and getting a lot of feedback is that hybrid isn't just about cost it isn't just about the numbers it's also some organizations are seeing it as a cultural reinvention because you know they're trying to get people to be more innovative they're trying to get people to be more collaborative and and we it's forcing the whole hybrid approach is forcing people to do that and yeah. whilst they may save money by you know creating smaller you know, strategic head offices or localized collaboration centers or whatever word they want to call it, satellite offices, whatever, they're still trying to make sure that there is clarity around culture, leaders' role, managers' role, and importantly, the employees' role, because they they have an important part to play in this, because, you know, it's underpinned by trust. And, and we all know that, that that takes some time to 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 get that, I guess, through you know, through people's behaviour. Thank you both. I think that was a really interesting conversation that you were both having. And obviously you kind of shared some of the, the key components there of a winning business case. And then more recently, you were talking about some of the data points. I just wanted to take it a little bit of a step further and get a final tip from you both to leave our listeners with. And I just wanted to actually touch on a poll that we ran on our LinkedIn page uh, before the podcast. Uh, essentially, we wanted to find out what our readership thought was a key component when it comes to delivering a winning business case. And obviously at at the time of recording today, 34% of the readers said that leadership buy-in was a key component. 28% said speaking with staff was, was a top priority. And 21% said using data as well when it comes to delivering a winning business case. Obviously, it's interesting to hear what our readers thought in that. And I was just wondering if you could both just share your top tip to give our audience when it comes to delivering a winning business case. Dave Page, if I can come to you first. I think very, very quickly, it was interesting that leadership buy-in, I think, was the top result, wasn't it, that uh, you talked about, Sophie? Yes, yep. Um, and, and for me, that's, that's un- well, it's, it's uh, immutably true that, that that must be the case. And, and, and in order to get leadership buy-in, you, you have to, I, I think, keep things strategic so that your leaders and your leadership can understand what this thing is going to do for the objectives that they have at the top of the business. So keep it strategic would be the simple thought I had for you, Sophie. Okay, perfect. And David, how about yourself? I, I would agree with, with what Dave said. I, I would probably just add, I think, talk the language of the organization and the business in the way in which you position the business case. And if you've got to create hypotheses or ideas, 
or or things that may be feeling a bit uncomfortable, then you've got to test it out. You've got to try and work it through and demonstrate to leaders what impact, that's the key word for me, what impact the change will have and also what other things need to be aligned to support that change. Because, you know, with such a complex um, case, hybrid workforces, you know, this isn't a one thing that, that will do it, that this is a number of cultural changes that are going to be required. So that's where I would come, focus on the business language and, and definitely focus on the change elements that will support it and make it work and make it happen. There you have it. So we've got keeping it strategic, the impact of the change and talking the language of the organisation. Thank you both so much for sharing those uh, the tips with us. I'm sure our listeners will find them really, really useful when they're navigating best practice and looking to the future. Just wanted to say a special thank you to Dave Page, who is the Chief Executive Officer at Actual Experience, and Dave Milner, who is a consulting partner at HR Curator, for joining us today. If you want to find out about any of the topics discussed within this four-part series, series we will leave a link to actual experiences report below but unfortunately that's all we do have time for today hr grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content so to find out more or to sign up to our daily content newsletter which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your hr issues please visit hrgrapevine.com